0: Mitch and John are in the booth to discuss the coronavirus, the impact that it has had on the U.S. and global markets, as well as the economy and also people's reaction to all of the coronavirus news.
1: Welcome back to Give Me Some Truth. We're back in the booth today. We got Mitch and myself here, and we're going to be talking today a little bit about What's going on in the world that is causing these stock markets to be as volatile as they are? And, uh, you know, the coronavirus and the elections. Um, so, we're going to chat a little about that today. Mitch, have you,
0: have you heard about this in the news, the, the coronavirus? I sure have. I've actually, pretty much any news source you go to, somewhere on the front page, or if you're scrolling on your phone or wherever you're getting your news, you're likely going to see the word coronavirus somewhere, right? Sometimes it's for clickbait. Other times it's more on the, the healthcare response to it. A lot of times what we see is the market reaction, right? So fear. we see all these different things, but it, yes, the the fear yes, I there, see it yeah. everywhere.
1: Yeah. And this, I mean, this is not new in the sense that we have other pandemic or potential pandemics that have come out um, even in the last 20 years. I mean, if you think back, we had the swine flu we had the bird flu, we had SARS, yeah, MERS, Ebola,
0: Zika. I don't think you mentioned Zika. Yeah, the Zika
1: that was just a couple of years ago. That was what twenty sixteen. Yeah, and and you know what we don't remember when those things are happening is that they people there. This affects us, it affects health. There are people that die from it. It's highly contagious. A lot of times these you know strands can start internationally, and maybe make their way back to to U.S. citizens, but. They pass. They move on. And the thing about it is right now there's there's a lot of media focus on this one, and, and it, it, maybe it gets a little bit hyper-politicized even. I mean, they want to draw us for their advertising revenue. They want people to, to tune in and read their articles. I, I've yet to see anybody really talking about exactly what the difference is between... The coronavirus, actually how it's, how it's affecting the body and, and what it does versus the regular flu, and I know that they've got the science out there that talks about it and there's there's truly a, a reason to be concerned and more careful. Um, always wash your hands, you know make sure that you're you know uh, paying attention to symptoms, things like that but
0: and, and people are they have died right I mean mm-hmm. the numbers show that, and that's never something to take lightly, but um, it is something too that. We can look back at history right, and just see that over time, we have been through scenarios like this. right? They're not all exactly the same. But yeah, to your point, John, I mean, there's, there's the medical side, which neither you or I are that qualified probably to speak to. But when it comes to human lives, yes, people have died. I and mean, it's a real thing. But I think we're here to just kind of talk about, okay, what have we learned from the past? And where are we in this current state as far as the global economy and markets go?
1: Well, this uh, last week, we've had three days where the stock market was down 1,000 points, two days where it's been up 1,000. There's been a lot of volatility, mostly on the downward side, but but only down coming into today about 7% on the year. Uh, but that volatility brings fear. And investors say, uh-oh, you know, is this time, is it different? And the worst words you can really say as an investor is this time it's different because looking back on all of those other fearful pandemics and-, and there are other things too. It's not just health related. It could be ISIS. It could be, you know, we're in a, we're in a war. We it's this time, Oh, financial crisis of 2008.
0: Dot com thinking two, 2000, two weeks ago,
1: the stock market was at its all time high. And if you're an investor, when these short, quick market corrections with high volatility happen, they present great opportunities. So the question is, is, when it gets warmer out and we start to move past the coronavirus almost to the point that it's an afterthought. What did we do during that time period and how did you handle it? How did you assess your financial goals and and the opportunity and, and, and be able to uh, have the courage to invest through that and believe in, in the strategies
0: that are in place? And for a lot of the clients that we do have that are out there, you probably saw some emails coming through with some trade confirmations, right? So as far as like what's going on, right? When these times of market volatility are occurring, a lot of times rebalancing is just one of the steps of the process, right? It's just a simple, hey, if, if um, your stocks versus bonds allocation or international versus U.S. allocation has gone out of whack, so to speak, right? We're going to rebalance. We're going to stick to the strategy. We're going to ride through it, right? It's just all part of something that any long-term investor goes through.
1: And we, we don't sit around, Mitch, I, I don't remember last week when we talked about the time to rebalance, any of us saying, how, how do you think uh, it's going to respond tomorrow? Are we at the bottom? I mean, there's no crystal ball. We do it in a disciplined investment approach. And that's, we rebalance when the market goes down steep, usually a 10% correction. And we stick to those long-term goals. And then if it goes down again, we rebalance again. We're doing these things with a scalpel. And those opportunities, when those things happen, that's when we really have a chance to build wealth and take advantage of the sale that's out there. But we know that you out there listening and our clients, people are concerned. They're listening to the news. They're seeing people that are buying masks, even though they're saying in the news, the masks don't help. Uh, they're they're selling out of those. And so there's there's a concern. But the the behavioral finance side of this is where uh, people have to take a step back and realize that um, if 100% of the time in history when these things have happened and there becomes market volatility, the market's come back and gone higher, then why wouldn't we follow that pattern? That's a pretty good track record.
0: And and actually, if you don't mind, John, there's a few. I got a, a chart here of, and this is based off the S&P 500. So it's, it's these different epidemics that we've seen over the last handful of decades here. And the six-month change of the S&P 500 and then the 12-month change of the S&P 500 after these epidemics have occurred. And I'll just mention a few that, that we already talked about, right? So SARS, for example, in April 2003 is about the time that it, it happened. It's 12-month S&P 500 change was actually up over 20%, mm-hmm.
1: 20.76%. But where was it in the first you know, three months as it came down?
0: Yes, it did. And, 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 and there's also times, too, where it doesn't recover in a 12-month time period. So even if you go back to the 80s with HIV-AIDS, it was actually tw- tw- a 12-month period was down 16.5%, right? So different, different um, disease and everything going on there, but, you know, it's not always like, hey, it, it's rebounded in 12 months. So we don't know the extent, right? But to the point, if I'm going on this chart, I mean, swine flu was mentioned. It was up cl- after 35% after 12 months, um, Zika was up 17% after a 12 period. So these things have recovered, right? But there are also other times where, sure, it hasn't recovered in 12 months, but um, history has shown us that usually there's a dip right in the front end, and it can be steep, which we have seen. But looking back, we have written through these things in a, a U.S. equities and also global equities perspective.
1: Yeah, and, and when you think about it, I mean, this stuff is happening globally, and there is going to be slowdowns, and that's what the market does. The market doesn't respond to what's actually happening as much as it's predicting what's going to happen. So the idea is, is that if 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 coronavirus has been in the news for the last two months, um, the stock market was up coming into uh, last last week on Monday on the year, and took a sharp dive during that week, and the volatility is here. But we knew about coronavirus back in January. It was in the news. They were talking about it. But the first what causes
0: even? We're back to twenty nineteen, right? Yeah.
1: But what, what ended up causing the uh, volatility and what's a a part of it. There's other things too. It's not always just this one thing, but what ends up causing it is the, the disjointment, the fact that it's in the United States and they start to think, okay, there's going to be a slowdown now because of production or trades and goods coming out of China. Um, and if they, and if the, if the investor, if that, if the marketplace is showing that there is potentially going to be a slowdown, you see a sell-off. We don't know if there's actually going to be a slowdown. More than likely, there will be. But we have a resilient economy. It's growing over 3% right now. We have unemployment under 4%. So why would the market be going down or be volatile? as It's predicting in the future that's what's going to happen. And we're probably closer to a bear market, which is down 20%, than we are to this expansive, growing 100% return in a couple of years on the stock market. So, But we need those type of marketplaces to be able to rebalance into it to make money. And that's why we don't put all of our clients' money in the stock market. We diversify it so that the risk is diversified and appropriate to what your goals are. That way, no no coronavirus or Zika or Ebola, these scary words, right? Although corona is not as scary. Corona is kind of like you think about like I've got a beer in my hand, like a corona.
0: And isn't there, there's some, I don't know if it's studies or articles or uh, polls or what it is, but isn't there stuff out there saying that People in some way, shape, or form actually believe that there's a connection between Corona beer and the virus. Yeah.
1: It's, I think it's actually slowed down some sales of Corona beer from what I was reading.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. All, all silliness out there. <laughs> so, and, and John, that actually makes me think of like recession, right? Could we see the start of a recession? Potentially, right? With a global economy, China, of course, is has a larger GDP of the worldwide economy than they did back in 2003 when SARS was going on, right? A lot of people and their supply chains link back to China. So shipments are being delayed and or canceled in some cases, right? There's, there's economists out there, one being Brian Westbury of First Trust, for example. He seems to think that, yes, first quarter, maybe even second quarter, there's going to be a slowdown. Inventories are going to be depleted. But ultimately, once we get through this, once healthcare catches up, right, once we get this thing under control then actually there'll be an acceleration on the back end of the year to almost catch up. So he's of the belief that he's still pretty bullish on the global economy in 2020. It just starts off slow slash you know negative in the first quarter or two.
1: Well, and they also yesterday, um, uh, two days ago, the Fed decided to cut interest rates by half a percent. It was the steepest cut that they've had since 2008 and generally when the fed is cutting interest rates it's to boost up and and help the uh, stock market and help companies it makes money cheaper you know we don't think that that was necessarily the right decision i'm i'm personally glad that they cut a half a percent instead of these quarter percent ones and had multiple ones all year because if you're going to cut it cut it once and then you know let it let it spark and do what it's going to do but ultimately, with inflation and where rate normalization is, is when that means what the ten-year Treasury is usually yielding around four percent. Right now, this week, because of the fear and people putting their money into government securities and uh, you know the ten-year Treasury dipped below one percent, it's a great time to refinance your house right now, or if you're doing you know exp- expense uh, expansions in business or anything else, and you're borrowing money because the, the money is so cheap at the, these low interest rates, and that helps to spar the economy. But when we start to see those type of things happening, it could also be because there's slowdown coming and the market's going to be moving when that when that happens.
0: Are so you refinancing your house right now? I
1: am. I, I absolutely am. And I think, uh, you know, everybody has the right timing to do something. I, w- I was in a seven-year arm and I um, got a couple of years before it, a, a, you know, would potentially adjust. I was able to lock it in at, uh, you know, at, at a rate that's, you know, pretty much equal to what I had uh, f- four years ago. So to me it was a it was a great move. I mean it costs some closing costs, but long term i've locked in at this historically low interest rate at three point two percent uh on a thirty year it's uh, it 's unreal where rates are compared to when my parents bought their first house, and I think they paid fourteen percent interest you know back in the early eighties so it 's just a whole new marketplace now
0: and Another thing that you mentioned there, John, was treasuries right so that kind of reminded me of some articles that i 've read recently, right and of course it 's here's how, how you should react from an investment perspective due to the coronavirus, right? And I've read some of these articles just to see what's out there. And a lot of times they say, basically you got to sell out of your equities and then put it into treasuries or put it into gold, right? And and as an investor, you should be very careful about taking these articles and making these rash decisions, right? Now, in theory, if you had the crystal ball and you knew exactly when and where markets are going up and down and and everything, if you were the perfect market timer and had that crystal ball. Sure. You could make some moves, capitalize on it. Right. But for the most part, we're working with long-term goals, long-term investors, right? Just be very careful of just reading an article of someone that may not even be trained to be giving advice in these types of things saying, buy gold, you know, put everything in treasuries. I know people back from 2008 that, that put their money in gold pretty much at the bottom in 2009, early 2009 and then for the next decade, kept it in gold and commodities and things. And you could have just kept it in the U.S. stock market or just a diversified portfolio and it would have been much better off. So just be careful to those listening when you see some of those clickbait type articles and making rash decisions.
1: Yeah, there's uh, we, we've got you know blog posts and uh, podcasts about Beware, the celebrity advisor, people giving financial advice. You're exactly right on that. Now, when we talk about this podcast, you we were talking about coronavirus and what's causing the volatility. But we also want to remember, too, that there's there's a, an election going on this year. And any time when there's election years, um, you know, the markets are trying to you know position themselves or pivot to where they think, you know, potential outcomes could be and how that would affect uh, earnings for companies moving forward. You know, we've got two after Elizabeth Warren dropped out today. We have two candidates that are running for the Democrats to go up against Donald Trump and it looks like there's a, a very high likelihood that we'll have the first eighty year old president in the White House um, at some point because all three are in, in their late seventies that are still running. But at the end of this year, you know, the market's gonna have, you know, a couple more of these corrections, there's gonna be volatility and there'll be some smooth periods. And we don't know where it's gonna end up and we don't predict on that. If it goes down and it's down eight months from now, we're gonna we're gonna rebalance for our clients and take care of it. But in those election years, it's it's a great opportunity to sit back and and uh, you're, you're watching, you're trying to figure out, you know, which direction you want the country to go and who you're going to support. Um, the stock market is, is predicting where they think the sentiment's going to be and where things are going to play out later in the year. It, it doesn't have emotions or feelings. It's just irrational and bipolar. <laughs> but over time has shown to be a great pay, place for people – who are willing to be long-term investors to sit back and grow their wealth?
0: Well, John, does Trump bump ring a bell? Yeah, in, I the, remember. in the not too recent, or in the recent, excuse me, rather in the recent election history, remember Trump bump, two thousand sixteen? And part of that was because a lot of a lot of people, uh, most polls, thought that a Democrat was going to be in the White House, right? And the market then baked that in because, again, they're trying to kind of forward predict how that's going to affect earnings and profits. And they baked in basically a Democratic president. But then all of a sudden, what do we have? Trump gets elected, right? And the instant reaction was the Trump bump because of the talk of, okay, well, taxes are going to be lower. and Well, the instant
1: reaction, Mitch, was the market went down overnight. That's, that's true. The futures
0: were destroyed that evening. They were. I do remember that. And but- then
1: the next morning we came into the office and the market was up uh, 200 points at the end of the day. Um, and and over time it's going to do what it's going to do but you're exactly right the trump bump he loves to take it you know cr- credit for all this <laughs> it's never really the president or that there's there's they have an effect on it but it's people out there working and people out there buying and producing and hard work and and creating jobs good economic policies from our government or good monetary policy from the fed helps to create that you know the machine that's moving but you have to have hardworking people out there. You have to have people willing to go out and buy stuff and spend their money as well and save. Um, there, you know, people were paying down their debts after two thousand eight, two thousand nine, and now they're starting to, you know, get back in better financial situations. Um, we still have income disparity. We have economic disparity in this country. There are problems that need to be solved that the government can help with, but they can never solve all of our problems. And one of those problems that we have is just that we're emotional and we get tied into when we see things. Maybe we really want one political party to win or we want, um, you know, some specific outcome. But we have to take a step back and realize, as Nate always says, facts don't care about our feelings. They don't. And so we have to go back and look at what factually is happening and, and how how the, uh, you know, the, the outcomes and the goals of what you want to accomplish in your life uh, you know, affect the different risk profile for your investments. And then we go and we we deal with facts and we invest knowing the facts of how things were in the past, not our hopes and dreams or how I feel things are going to be in the future. So um, we, we want to encourage anybody out there that's listening to this. I know with the the recent, you know, all the volatility, it can, bring, it can bring anxiety and we're understanding to that. We're always open for a phone call. Most of you have been reached out to by us or you've gotten emails from us. We try to put out great content, but please feel free to reach out through an email, phone call, or book on our calendars. We're there to talk to you. We work for you and uh, we look forward to, uh, to seeing this one pass as well. So until next time, this has been Give Me Some Truth.
2: Raise your hand to the sky, ask the masses for silence, look them all dead in the eye. Advisory services are offered through Walkner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC, an SEC registered investment advisor. Walker, Nate Condon, Jonathan Jordan, Mitch DeWitt, and Keith Ponywas are investment advisor representatives of Wachner Condon. Guests on the podcast are not registered and their participation in the podcast are limited to unregistered activities and will not provide any advice that is investment related, nor should any comments that guests make be construed as giving investment advice. Content should not be viewed as an offer to buy or sell any securities mentioned or as legal or tax advice. You should always consult an attorney or tax professional regarding your specific legal or tax situation. Wachner Condon Financial Advisors LLC is not engaged in the practice of law. Whenever you invest, you are at risk of loss of principle as the market does fluctuate. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Purchases are subject to suitability. This requires a review of an investor's objective, risk tolerance, and time horizon. Investing always involves risk and possible loss of capital. Long-term care, estate planning, insurance products, and tax advice are not offered through Wachner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC. Walkner Condon works on a best efforts basis and does not guarantee any results. Past performance does not represent future results. Please see WachnerCondon.com for additional disclosures.